Welcome to another installment of Historical Homicide. I'm your host, Christina Bentley, here to lure you into the dark and treacherous alleyways of yesteryear's murders. My question for you today is this. Have you ever been wronged? Who am I kidding? We've all been wronged. Have you been jilted by a past lover? Has a friend betrayed your trust? Who can you trust? And when that proverbial hammer does come down, how do you handle the mess? Do you take a karmic approach and let the universe or powers that be handle the fate of the one who did you dirty? Are you diplomatic in voicing your emotions? Or do you take matters into your own hands, finding the idea of vigilante justice satisfying? Would you carry out a vendetta? Today's story takes place over the span of nine years. We're not just talking about one murder today, but many. I'm not pulling any punches. This account is brutal, unforgiving, and the lines of loyalty, though somewhat blurry to us, are crystal clear to those involved. You step out of line, you pay the price. The rules are written clearly. Let me explain them to you. Family loyalty is everything. Don't talk to the police. And if you are questioned, lie or give useless information. If you think you saw something, you didn't. You didn't see anything because snitches get stitches or something far worse. And if you know someone's name, You may know one of their names, but not every alias. Our tale has many central players. Let's start with the Basil family. Originally from Sicily, many members of the family immigrated to western New York in the early 1900s. The head of the Basil family is the eldest son, Joseph. He's the oldest of seven children and became the head of the household after their father passed away. We won't focus on all seven kids, but the other Basil siblings of note are Peter and Cosimina. We'll delve into other siblings and spouses as they come along. We start our story in Lockport, New York in 1912. Yes, our story is only partially in Chautauqua County. We'll be spending a lot of time just north of the county, mainly in Lockport, Niagara Falls, and Buffalo. At this time, the Buffalo area is an important stronghold for the Mafia, mainly because of its proximity to Canada and the illegal smuggling and sales of alcohol across the border. But you didn't hear that from me. I didn't see or hear anything. Peter Basil and his wife Anna live in Lockport. They were married in Italy before coming to western New York. Peter is a wealthy banker, and Anna, well... She has a wandering eye. Lately, she's been receiving the attentions of a one Rafael Spazito, street name Johnny Spazito. He's been coming around to woo Anna. He tells her how boring her husband is, how he could give her the life that she's always dreamed of. And he, unlike her husband, does not talk to the cops. Johnny does seem like a big shot, and Anna decides to seize her opportunity at moving up the food chain. 
She runs away with Johnny. He tells her to grab all of her jewelry and whatever cash is around the house. He's taking her to New York City. Johnny has business there, but Anna is sure she'll have the time of her life. See ya, Peter. Johnny, who's probably reporting to his mafia higher-ups in Brooklyn, brings Anna along. But once they arrive in Brooklyn, Johnny locks Anna in his apartment. He steals all of her jewelry, including her wedding ring, and sells it. He commands Anna to write to her family members and ask for money. When she refuses, he threatens to sell her on the street for 50 bucks per suitor. Horrified, Anna starts writing desperate pleas, one of which reaches her father. Her father is angry. He's mad at Johnny, but he's also disgusted with his daughter's actions. He goes to New York City and tracks her down. Anna is relieved that her father is there to take her home. But as she leaves the apartment, Johnny threatens her. If she leaves and doesn't come back, he'll kill her husband Peter. Anna's father takes her back to Lockport and drops her off at Peter's house. It's been months, but somehow Peter finds it in his heart to take her back and even buys her a new wedding ring. All is well for about one year. Before we continue on, a word from our sponsors. Would you kill to be beautiful? The good news is, you don't have to. Visit the Aesthetic House on Fairmount Avenue in Jamestown. Their kind and supportive staff will put you at ease. They offer a wide range of medical spa services, diamond glow facials, Botox, facial fillers, lip blushing, microblading, laser hair removal, and so much more. And coming soon, skin tightening and body contouring. Book your appointment with the Vigero app under The Aesthetic House or call them at 716-640-2499. Tell them Christina from Historical Homicide sent you. November 20th, 1913. Lockport, New York. It's a cool evening and Peter Basil is walking home. He's only one block away when, boom, shots are fired and Peter drops to the pavement. He struggles to breathe as he lies in a pool of his own blood on the street. With a gasp, (gasps) Peter succumbs to his injuries. A man is seen running away from the area. Anna, at home, hears the shots and sees a man running past her house. She knows him. That's Frank Malisi, an acquaintance of her husband's. When the police arrive, they question Anna. She tells them conflicting stories about her time with Johnny Spazito and her husband's new friend, Frank Malisi. The police are getting frustrated with her convoluted storytelling until she mentions her husband's fear of Malisi. They're desperate for a lead, so they take Frank Malisi into custody. Now let's pause for a second. You remember the rules that we went over, right? Don't talk to the police. And if you are questioned, lie or give them information that is ultimately useless. Unpause. Patrolman Tony Coletti volunteers to gather clues and more information about the shooting of Peter Basil. 
Coletti happens to be the only Italian police officer hired by the local police department. He's determined to find Peter's killer and bring him to justice. Or not, Patrolman Coletti receives a black hand threat from the mob and resigns from his post the following morning. Without any bill against him and no evidence to indict him on, Frank Malisi is released from jail. But let's take a second here. We have some questions to answer. Who is Frank Malisi and how did he get caught up in this mess? But more importantly, who shot Peter? We'll get back to Peter. Right now, let's focus on Frank. By all accounts, Frank Malisi is a fruit peddler. He works for a grocery store in Buffalo, pushing a fruit cart on the street and doing odd jobs around the store. He lives not too far from the grocery with his wife and two kids. They don't have much, but somehow they're always able to make ends meet. Frank takes on odd jobs. Hmm. That's interesting. Maybe he's contracted out by the black hand to um <clears throat> supplement a client's lead deficiency. I'm trying to be discreet here. I'm pretty sure he's a hitman. So who shot Peter Basil? It's hard for the police to build a case when witnesses claim to have seen and heard nothing. Did someone have it out for him? Was Johnny Spazito making good on his threat? For now, it appears to be a mystery. A mystery that is only complicated by the fact that another Basil family relative in Connecticut was killed on the same night Peter was murdered. But the trouble for the Basil family is only starting, especially for Peter's eldest brother, head of the family, Joseph Basil. Joe owns a bakery in Lockport. He, his wife Nellie, and their children reside in an apartment above the bakery, but they also own a house in Niagara Falls. It's August 25th, 1914, about nine months after Peter's death. Joe is at the bakery when he is visited by a man named Tidora Nato. Nato claims he's there to settle a bill. He and Joe eat lunch together and head to the saloon, where a confrontation ensues. Nato is angry. He wants to know why Joe's wife mentioned Nato's name during the investigation into Peter's death. He doesn't want the police looking into him for anything. He and Joe continue to argue all the way back to Joe's apartment above the bakery. Once inside the residence, Nato starts saying some not-so-nice things about Joe's wife, Nellie. Assuming Nato is armed, Joe grabs his gun and, boom, shoots Nato. Nato is only injured and taken to the hospital, and Joe flees. While on the run, Joe checks in with his family. They urge him to come home and face up to what he's done. They ask him to come back because they've already taken care of the situation. Joe turns himself into the police. They take him to jail and hold him, but eventually release him as there's no bill against him. That's right, Tidora Nato didn't press charges. In fact, Nato hasn't been seen or heard from by anyone since he left the hospital. 
Joe is free to come and go as he pleases. Everything continues on as normal until the black hand warnings start coming. Someone has it in for Joe. And shortly after the NATO incident is resolved, Joe's bakery is bombed in the middle of the night. No one is hurt in the explosion, but it gives the family quite a scare. The bakery is decimated. The apartment above? Unlivable. Joe and his family retreat to their house in Niagara Falls, only to be bombed again at that home. Joe is now watching his back everywhere he goes. And those black hand warnings? They're still coming. We'll get back to Joe and his black hand warnings in a minute. But first, a word from our sponsors. Evolution Spin Studio is an all-in-one fitness studio for group training. From fun and energetic indoor cycling classes, with some of the best instructors around, to full body strengthening with yoga and TRX. But that's not all. Evolution has an infrared sauna for your recovery needs. It's a one-of-a-kind studio that has the lights, sound, and atmosphere to make your workout fun. You can check out their class schedule on the Vigero app. Hustle. Grind. Conquer. Evolution Spin Studio. By 1915, everything seems to have calmed down for the Basil family. Well, for now, things are calm. The family knows it could all go south at any moment. They've been warned, repeatedly. Let's leave them be for now and go back to Frank Malisi. For Frank, business has been a little slow in Buffalo. So, he heads south to Jamestown. Frank is starting an olive oil company and needs to drum up clientele. It's the perfect opportunity. As he's delivering fruit, he can build his side business. It would feel so good to be his own boss of a legitimate business. To fully support his wife and kids in a comfortable home with warm meals on the table. That's the dream. But until then, he has several jobs to attend to. It's a cold December day in Jamestown, and Frank's Mackinac jacket isn't keeping him as warm as he'd like, but it'll do. First on his list, an Italian grocery delivery on Windsor Street. Frank heads in that direction, and just as he's about to enter the store from the crowded sidewalk, he hears a loud bang, 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 searing pain. Frank feels the warm blood escape his body. He dies as he hits the pavement. There is a frenzy around the body as Jamestown police officers arrive on the scene. They question the witnesses, but no one saw what the shooter looked like. They convey Frank's body to the morgue and notify his family of his sudden death. As police search through his personal effects, they find lots of cash, two insurance policies, and order forms for his business. This wasn't a random shooting or a robbery gone wrong. Whoever killed Frank was making a statement. They wanted him dead. When Frank's wife comes to Jamestown to identify his body, she is shocked to learn that he had taken out two insurance policies on himself. 
Mrs. Malisi was completely compliant and happy to talk with the police. She explained to them Frank's olive oil business venture, how they had been married for six years and had two small children together. They were poor, basically destitute. One of the reasons Frank came to Jamestown for business was because of his sister. She lives here on Waterman Street. His sister is unmarried, so her last name is the same as Frank's. Seeing that this conversation isn't bringing much information to light about Frank's murder, the police release Mrs. Malisi from questioning. Later, they look into Frank's sister, only to find that there is no woman by the last name of Malisi on Waterman Street. Finding this discovery odd, police wonder, was Mrs. Malisi lying to them? JPD contacts the police in the Buffalo area to ask about Frank Malisi, and they are all too happy to inform the Jamestown police about the feud with the Basil family and the Black Hand. Basil. That last name seems familiar to the police in Jamestown. And it just so happens that there is an Anthony Basil living on Waterman Street. Anthony Basil, a brother of Joseph Basil. Oh, those odd jobs. Frank must have been in town to take out Anthony. But someone got to him first. But at this point, JPD is in the same boat as the police are in Buffalo. No one is willing to give them any useful clues or facts about these deaths. So let's recap. Anna Basil has an affair with Johnny Spazito that quickly turns into an abusive situation. She's rescued by her father and goes back to her husband, Peter Basil, who is gunned down in Lockport, New York. Next, head of the family, Joseph Basil, has a confrontation with Tadora Nato and injures him with a gunshot wound. Joseph's business and home are subsequently bombed. Then, Frank Malisi, part-time grocer and entrepreneur, part-time hitman, is killed in broad daylight on a busy street in Jamestown, right before he's supposed to murder Anthony Basil. That brings our death total to two, well, Three, if you count the Basil relative living in Connecticut that was murdered on the same night as Peter. The suspects in custody? Zero. But we're just getting warmed up. This concludes part one of this episode, Vendetta. Don't forget to check out my Instagram page, Historical Homicide, to see pictures and fun facts from the podcast episodes. Thank you for listening. And tune in next time to hear part two of Vendetta, the thrilling continuation and conclusion of this murderous saga.